Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Growth Engineers. We are about to dive into the first of many, I'm sure, conversations about AI. Yeah, it's here. You've heard it. We've heard it. You've used it. We've used it. Are you using it well? Are we using it well? It's changing by the minute. Dean Isaacs and I, we're about to dive in and give you some real, real about what we're doing with AI right now that might be able to help you grow. Dean, buddy. Hey, my friend. It's good to see you, man. You too. This is a big one. Big yeah, talk. We've been waiting for this one. Yeah. We have. I think when we conceived growth engineers, this was one of the first topics we said we wanted to cover. Yep. <laughs> right. And so here we are starting today. Um, and I got to ask you, right, like right now, how is AI affecting your life and your business? Yeah. In so many ways, right? In so many ways. One being me answering that question from a lot of people, clients and prospects and the market and my friends, yes. like, what the heck is this all about? If I sort of take a step back and think about as a business owner, somebody that's focused on growing, but growing efficiently and effectively, how am I using it as a tool, right? Let's yeah. Maybe that's where we need to start because I think that will give our listeners some practical things they can go try tomorrow. Yeah. So place to start, right? No brainer, chat GPT, right? That's the platform that everybody knows about. But I will say there are dozens and probably now hundreds of websites and apps that either access that content, that same sphere of knowledge that chat GPT does or their own. So we're going to probably spend a lot of time talking about chat GPT today, but don't get stuck in that bubble. There are lots of other tools out there. I'll give you an example. I'm working with a manufacturing client, helping them build out their whole marketing vision for their business, right? They've never had a lot of marketing infrastructure, very okay. successful over the last 20 years. And they're like, we need to take marketing more seriously. We've grown this thing to, you know, millions of dollars. We need it. All right, it's time. We grew up. We've got to take marketing seriously. Where do we start? And that's where I'm helping them. And so I've got this engagement to work on these big vision documents. I've done this so many times in my career. And honestly, one of the things I like the least is writing documents, oh. writing strategy, right? Yes. I love talking about it. I love oh, working yeah. with it. Who wants to sit down and write pages after page? So what I did is I used ChatGPT to shortcut my process hmm. and get out of my head and onto paper what I had envisioned for my client. So what I did was I trained ChatGPT first so I told ChatGPT about my client, what they're all about, what I want to try and do, who I am. And then I fed it with some information. I fed it with all of my notes, but otherwise I would normally sit down and spend hours writing a document from. Right. I asked it to produce a document, this type of document. And in 60 seconds, I had 60, 70% of that document ready, formulated. I was wow. no longer staring at that white page with that cursor flashing at me, right? I had this foundation for a document. Now, I spent many hours building on this thing, but it probably shortcut my creation time by 50%. And I think I got as good or maybe even better product for my client at the end of it. So that's one easy way to use ChatGPT today to make your business more efficient. 
So hold on. You said something in there, and, and I know that people are going to listen and hear this and have a question, right? This whole concept of training chat GPT, like it's a dog or something like that, right? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Because so many people use the term and so many people mean different types of things. And is there a right way to do it? Well, that's a, this could be a whole episode, my friend. I'll give you the headlines. This is the way I think about it and how I've seen it work really well for me and for our clients. If you think of ChatGPT as a super intelligent intern that has access to all the information you could ever need, never needs to sleep, and never complains when you ask it to redo a task, <laughs> what information would you have to give that intern to get them going? Get them started. They would want to know what is it they need to do? Who is it for? What's the context? Give me some notes. Kind of give me that baseline of information. At the simplest level, that's what training is. So literally what I did for that example I gave is I just quickly typed in a few sentences about who my client was, who I am. I literally said, I'm a marketing consultant working with a manufacturer of this size in this industry. Here's my role. And here's the thing I'm trying to produce. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And it said, yes, it's fed back. Yes. I said, do you have any questions? It said, no. So I said, here are my notes. Now write this thing for me, create this outline for me. And it did it. So that's what I mean by training is giving it information and context, but be specific, be specific. If you ask ChatGPT to give me three blog topics, it's going to give you three blog topics on who knows what. But if I say give me three blog topics on marketing or top marketing trends in 2023 for small business owners, it's going to really give me specific topics. So be specific. Yeah. So you said that you did that and it got you 60, 70%. And so do you then just take that and say, good enough, put your stamp on it, your Dean stamp and ship it out the door to the customer? Or, you know, because I hear people say it all the time that, yeah, but it's answers that are so generic or it doesn't speak like me or it doesn't sound like my brand. So where does personalization fit in? Yeah, well, that's part of the training. So I know I sort of flew through my description, but I gave it my notes. I had spent hours with a client typing things out, making my notes with my client. And when you write something out, you're writing it in your voice. Yeah. In your tone, in your style. So it took that tone and style and incorporated that into the document. Yeah. So when I say 60% of the way there, it wasn't just content, but it was style. And it was still AI created, right? right. I still go in and I reworded a lot of it, but it's a whole different situation when you're editing. Come on now. Creating. So I edited, I made it my own thing, but it was a huge, huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing as humans. And I don't know why it is. So, you know, we're not going to get into the psychology of this, but it's so true. Tell someone, hey, sit down and write an email and they'll just sit there and, <laughs> hey, write an email about this topic. And they may just write the topic and then be like, right. But all of a sudden you give them an already written email about that topic and say, hey, this is the email I want to send on your behalf about this topic. And then all of a sudden ideas are flowing because it's so much easier to edit. It's so, so much easier to edit, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, that's one of the really great uses 
is recognizing that you do know the answer, but sometimes we put up these mental blocks that f- make it so hard. I can write copy for almost anybody but me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally right. Yep. <laughs> right. But ChatGPT can write my copy and I can say, no, 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 no. This needs to change. This needs to change. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I wrote copy for me. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, what a concept, right? And I think that's so true. It just gets us off of that sort of first rung of the creative ladder. It gets us moving forward. And there's lots more ways to train depending on what you're trying to produce. And we'll get into that maybe in another episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so that's AI for writing something like, you know, a proposal, a document. But for a lot of us out there, you know, social media is a bear for two reasons. One, we got to create content. And we didn't get in business to be content creators. And then two, we got to engage with that content and the results of it and get those results to convert into something meaningful. Right? Have you had experience and or how are you using chat GPT or other AI tools to help with the creation of some of that content? And are you seeing content is converting better or worse than the content that you had previously? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've got a question for you, right? When I answer this, I'm gonna hit you back with a question because I know you've been spending a lot of time in this area too. So in terms of social content creation, it's ongoing treadmill of effort, right? And I think sometimes we forget, right? (laughs) Well said. I think sometimes we forget that the shelf life of social content is minutes, maybe hours, very, very rarely days and never weeks, right? With the exception maybe of YouTube channel, right? Where it sits there and people go to consume. And so if we remember that our audience, a very small percentage of our audience on any given platform is seeing our stuff, our posts, then you don't have to create fresh content every day, every week, every month. You can repurpose content that did well, Mm -hmm. right? And so AI, can help you with that. So for example, maybe you got a 60 second video. Take the transcripts of that video and ask AI to reword it, rephrase it, change context, use it as a text-based post versus the script for a video. Mm-hmm. It's your words, it's your mm-hmm. stuff, it's your shtick, but it's mm-hmm. different again. And you can mm-hmm. repurpose it over and over. Have it break it into three 30 second posts instead of one 60 second. So just that's so easy. It's so easy. Go back to any of your content. If you're on a podcast, grab the podcast transcript, have it break it into pieces. You can take the text-based transcript and do that. So for me, that's something we do a lot and we can see the trends, right? We analyze what posts engage, what posts convert. We're like, okay, that topic is resonating with our audience. Let's do more of that. Exactly. So AI is our re-engineering tool of that content. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm going to turn it back around and I've got a question for you. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. Part of this sort of messaging creation is personalization of messaging, personalization for our audience, mm-hmm. right? So it, it resonates with our audience. So how are you using AI to create content or guide you in this sort of personalization process? Yeah. So, it, and you touched on this a little bit earlier as you were talking about train, right? And you said that you told it about your client, right? It's really taking the work that you do offline 
in the ideal customer profile and creating the ideal customer profile. And if you've never heard of that, don't know what we're talking about. We've got another video. Hit the card right above. Go check that out, right? But once you have an ideal customer profile, the thing that generates out of that is information about the customer and information about the specific pain point that this customer is having that you're trying to target in this content that you're creating. And so now I'm going to feed all of that into the AI. Okay. So for example, we did that yesterday on an example of, you know, a 40 year old woman facing empty nest syndrome and going through a divorce living in Washington, DC. And it created relevant content that for someone who would live in Washington, DC, that they would be able to relate to. Yeah. If they were dealing with those issues. Okay. Everything that we've always done, we don't just throw it out the window. We bring that forward. And in bringing that forward into AI, AI now gets smarter. So going back to Dean's example that he gave a little bit earlier about that intern and how it's like an intern and what would you want to tell them? So that's on one side. So you tell them that, right? But then this intern, even though they know this stuff, what they're doing is they're walking into an, a library. That's what that large language model, when you hear LLM, that's really what it is. Okay. <laughs> Think of the largest library in the world that has every book and every microfiche. I don't even know if they still use those. <laughs> <laughs> and every video and every everything in the world, all in here. Okay. And this intern armed with the information you told it is walking in here and they now need to produce something. Where do they go? Where do they go? And you see, when you're giving them this context about the customer, now they can go and say, okay, then I need to go and learn about black women and Washington, D.C., that intersection. Let me go get those books. Then I need to go learn about divorce. Okay, let me get those books. Now I need to go learn about this. And they pull all of this together from all of the bookshelves and say, okay, I'm going to create this piece of content for you based on this stuff that we just pulled together right here. That's what you're doing. That's how it works. Yeah. John, I'll make sure our audience heard what you just said. You described the demographics of a target audience, yeah. age, gender, ethnicity, region, maybe income, marital status, all of those things. But you weaved in there some psychographic information, yes. right? How they think and how they feel probably is impacted by the divorce you mentioned, right? Yep. And so don't forget to include some psychographic descriptions, maybe people that have tried a thing before and are resistant to trying again. That will change the response from the AI, yeah. right? Business owners yeah. are resistant to change. We run across them all the time. We have to deal with them differently. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so the more we control the quality of the output by the quality of the input, right? Everywhere you look about chat, GPT, and AI, it's all about prompt, prompt, prompt. And there's an art and a science to creating great prompts, and it's an iterative process. And I would say also to our audience, don't just ask chat GPT once. Ask it to iterate and iterate and add and take away and because it's never going to get your perfect response. So can time. I tell you a secret thing? Yeah. It's not supposed to be an iterative process. They <laughs> had to make it an iterative. So ChatGPT and generative AI 
right, has become what's called chain of thought commands. Okay. And so it is chain of thought. And it's, I had a thought, you responded, I had a thought, you responded, I had a thought, you responded, mm-hmm. right? But they created that because so many people were having with single thought commands. So when it started, they really thought that it would just be, hey, just ask the question, you get back the perfect answer. Right. Right? Why am I saying that? Because as Dean just said about learning how to, with the prompts, this is about learning how to ask better questions. That's This is about learning how to ask better questions. And so when I actually teach prompt engineering, I teach people how to get the prompt right in one. Get the answer that you want the first time. Yep. Because if you did that, you also would end up saving time. You will. Yeah. Then you could use an iterative approach to reformatting the content, right? So yeah. you got your response, you got your content. Now you want it to be a LinkedIn post of yes. content generation, obviously, a script yes. or whatever. Then use the iterative process to repurpose. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about asking the right question. And and like any good salesperson or marketer, we have to ask right questions. Yes. And so if you're not getting the response back, right? And I and I see this all the time because I have the pleasure of teaching prompt engineering to several groups. And people show up and they're like, yeah, I'm just not getting good responses out of them. I'm like, okay, great. Give me your prompt. And they'll give me the prompt that they used. And then they'll watch me reformulate the prompt and realize, oh, I see now why I asked the wrong question. So if you're getting a bad response, know that you're asking a bad question, not that the system is bad. Exactly. So are there components to a great prompt? Oh, yeah. Typically teach. Give us the components that you teach. Absolutely. And actually, we'll put a link to this down below too. I have an ebook on this, which are the four basics. Okay. So number one is we start off with act as a, right? And you talked about that in yours, where in your prompt, you told it that who you were, right? Because if it doesn't know who either it's acting as or who you are that it's trying to act as, then it doesn't know. So- If I want to talk about nuclear physics and I say, write me a blog post on nuclear physics, go write a blog post. No problem. It wrote it. But if you were trying to teach it to a third grader and it wrote it to a high school student, the third grader can't even read it. Yep. Right. And so you have to tell it act as a. So act as a third grade school teacher. Okay. Then you got to tell it who your audience is, which we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. right? Who is teaching their third grade class, third grade science class, because atomic, whatever. Yeah. Third grade science class. I think that works. <laughs> yeah. Right? Third grade science class. In that case, that might be as specific as you need to get about the audience. Right? Then you got to tell it what you want. Please write a blog post. Now, if you were writing, say, titles, please write 10 titles. So you can tell it how many and what you mm-hmm. want. Okay, right. So please write a blog post. And then this is the part most people get right. Tell it what you want it to write about. Yeah. Okay, about atomic energy. Those four are the basic structure of a good post. Okay, those four are the basic structure. Now, we go on. There's tons more. But that if you don't have those four, you'll never get a good answer. Yep. 
That's excellent. And then you layer on top training and a number of other components and you'll get so much better. I made a LinkedIn post recently and I said something like generative AI, chat GPT is going to make bad marketers worse and great marketers amazing. And really what I was saying there was, you know, bad marketers tend to be lazy marketers, right? They take the path of least resistance. They kind of copy trends. ChatGPT will do that all day long for you, right? And you'll sound just like everyone else. Yes. But if you learn the prompts and you learn the tool, man, it's going to take off for you. Absolutely. Now, I said a little bit more crassly than you. <laughs> I say that AI is going to make smart people smarter and dumb people dumber. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to, unfortunately, it's going to take a lot of people's money in the wrong way. There are so many scam artists out there, you know, with these get rich quick with AI, just like, come on, right? Yeah. It's rarely a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've got lots more to cover. So let's talk about ICP, Ideal Client Profile. We've talked yeah. about it. You used that, that description earlier, but how can you utilize AI to really define and better understand your ideal client? Yeah, yeah. So I have a friend, James Bullets, and also Jeff J. Hunter. Those are two people in this world right now, y'all go look them up too, who are two of the best at this, okay? They've built sets of prompts that you can give it minimal information that you know about someone and it will go off and do the research and start to help you pull together your ideal customer profile. Now, part of why it works, okay, is... There has to be structure to your ideal customer profile. Right. You can't just say, oh, this, oh, that, oh, the other. You have to, as you know, Dean talked about it a little bit earlier, demographics, psychographics. Okay, those are two big categories. But inside of those two categories, there are subcategories. And you have to consider which ones are important. Mm -hmm. And again, getting back to training you. So in their prompts, they're telling the AI, hey, I want you to focus on this section of psychographics in this way, in this section, in this section. And they're actually helping people generate ideal customer profiles who previously had no idea how to do it. Now, the fun part about it is, and this is the key, this is, this is why AI is so powerful. There are similarities between humans, between people in life that most of us cannot perceive. And so often I've seen it that the AI pulls out something in an ideal customer profile that we would have never thought about that makes people in that group of our ideal customer similar to each other. So the human brain can process a lot of data, right? But compared to the power of an AI tool, it's not even close. Not yeah. even close, especially in the speed in which it can do it. You know, we talked about that before we hopped on today. It's just the ability to spot trends that we just don't see, if nothing else, because of our personal bias. If nothing right. else, that's going to cloud how we see the world. So yeah. that's important. That's really huge. Yeah. You know, and that, Dean, from millennia, for all time, man has thought that there was a difference between the male and the female eye. But man cannot predict it. We cannot, if you took a male eye and a female eye out of the body and just looked at them, We've never been able to see it, okay? Mm -hmm. AI was able to predict 
accurately the difference between male and female eyes, something like 90% accuracy. We've never been able to do it at all. They got it 90% right. Because it was able to find the patterns that are similar between male eyes and female eyes and then distinguish. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, and that means <clears throat> our software, right? Yeah. Is different based on all of these factors. And so when you create that prompt or you're working on that ICP, make sure you're including gender. And maybe your offer is gender neutral. That's cool. But your message may need to adapt based on the gender cool. you're targeting. Yeah, absolutely. So keep that in mind. Absolutely. You know, Dean, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg with AI, right? We've been talking about generative. And yeah. generative is like just a pinhead size versus what AI really, really is. You know, and I'll tell you when this really struck me. There's a friend of mine that I went to high school with who's big in the AI space and AI medical space. And we sat down and we had lunch a few months ago. Now, I happen to know one of the head scientists for one of the big pharmaceutical companies who developed the, the COVID vaccine. And I remember when they were releasing it, they said to me, I'm not going to take it because I don't understand how we got here. <laughs> and this is one of the head scientists, right? When they had right. doctors and it's like, I don't understand how we got here. And it's supposed to take eight to 10 years to get here. And we got here in 18 months. I don't understand. Then I met with my other friend from high school and we sat down and talked and he said, so let me tell you what happened. What we did was we built a, a large language model, an AI model, right? Of diseases and profiles. And we were able to feed in information about the different vaccines, and it was able to help us figure out which vaccine was going to work because it understood the data. What it would yeah. have taken us 10 years, it was able to do in months. Yeah. With a higher degree of probably of accuracy, lower yeah. cost, and all of those things. I mean, the FDA is around for a reason, right? We just trial stuff until it works, right? This takes a lot of that guesswork out. Out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's switch gears again, right? Again, this whole yeah, let's AI. Go. Let's go. So we talked about messaging and ICP and all of these things. And let's take it to that next level, right? A lot of marketers are talking today about personalization. Personalization in experience. Mm -hmm. Personalization in terms mm -hmm. of messaging. Mm -hmm. Where have you seen AI being used to impact this sort of personalization concept? Yeah. In 2007, I built a website for a client that every time the user returned to the website, the website changed. And in other words, it remembered what you did last time and showed you that stuff again and didn't try to show you stuff that was related. It was a really simple system. Nobody else was doing it. Right. And it was way ahead of its time, because what I'm about to talk to you about is what's going to come in that future. What's coming now is that we're going to be able to. And I know there's all the privacy stuff that's going to play into this, too. But we're going to be able to create experiences that are unique based on every single user that gives us permission to do that. Okay. 
I'm hearing the ethics police in my head with this <laughs> at the same time, right? But the reality is if you are a great marketer and if you are a great brand and if you are a great company, and what I mean by that is not that you're effective. What I mean by that is that your goal is to help your end customer to their desired outcome. If that is truly, 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 truly your goal, then understanding that this person needs to be communicated differently than those people, communicated to differently than those people, means what if we could create a system that when this person shows up, it adjusts the way it communicates so that this person can resonate with your message better? Yep. That reality is coming. Let me rephrase. That reality is here. It is. The challenge is going to be the ethical side and the privacy side of that of, oh, who has my data? Guess what? They got your data anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, every time you pick up one of these, it, you know, and, and I love it. Apple users are the best. And I don't know if you're an Apple or Android, Dean, but Apple users are the best. I love Apple users who are like, oh, Apple cares so much about our privacy. No, they don't. They just care about keeping all of your data to themselves. That's what they did. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. It isn't privacy, right? You're monetizing it. That's there. Exactly. They just figured out how they can make more money off of your data while making you think it was being private. The point here is... <laughs> <laughs> that reality is coming and maybe it may not come in mass market sense in a while, but once you're starting to build communities, when I say communities, I'm talking about inside of your ecosystem of your product, right? Whether that is that you have a membership community that people join, whether that is that it's heck, even phone systems, when people call on your phone and the messaging that they're hearing, all of those things, anything where you're communicating with the customer once they've crossed that threshold into your environment and outside of the marketing and sales environment, once they're your customer, you're going to be able to do so much more with communicating directly to that person at the level that they need to be communicated with. Right now, yep. yeah. We, people say, oh, we can do that now with their tags. We can tag them in HubSpot or we can tag them in Active Campaign and send them a different campaign. Yeah, okay. But everybody's getting the same tag. Everybody who clicked on that link gets the same tag. And so, sure, that gets you partially there. But I'm saying, Dean and Atiba, click that link. Send a different message to Dean and a different message to Atiba. One that's going to resonate with him and one that's going to resonate with me, written in language that I'm going to love. And AI is going to help you get there because AI is going to be able to help you write those messages in real time. Whether that's an email, a web page, it's going to help you be able to do that in real time. Yep. And it's going to feel so natural for the user. The user experience yeah. is just going to feel... Like I'm talking to somebody that knows me. Biggest That's what people want. Yeah, totally. Well, man, we covered a lot today. We covered a lot yeah. and we'll keep going. We'll have some more episodes on AI and how to create your ICP and leveraging on LinkedIn and all of this, a laundry list. So stay tuned for more episodes on AI on the Growth Engineers. 
Bye, everybody. See ya.